Hello, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Movie Musical Shakedown. I am your host, of course, Mr. Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog. And I am thrilled that you're joining us for this week's episode, where we're going to be highlighting a film that, well, I could use a lot of adjectives to describe it. Disappointing, train wreck, not fun to watch (laughs) at all. But I am talking about the 2005 disaster film, adaptation of Rent. Now, I'm sure there are people that love this movie out there. And to those people, I just want to know why. Uh, That's all I'll say is why do you love this movie? So if you're listening to this podcast and you love this movie, please in the comment sections on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you're seeing this, write down why you love this movie because I got to know. I have never met a Rent fan who has liked this movie. And there's a lot wrong with it. Let me start with the director, Mr. Christopher Columbus, Chris Columbus, Chris, who, when he took on this film, said that he was a fan of the musical, which I find hard to believe considering what he did to it to bring it to the stage. I mean, let's be honest, a real Rent fan would not have done what he did by cutting out half the score by having lyrics that were talked instead of sang. I mean, just left and right. And as much as I love the original cast of this musical, I did not want to see them in the film version. I was really hoping that they would cast a group of no-names or whatnot. I mean, I know that, you know, 2005, this is, you know, Adina Menzel coming off of Wicked and, you know, got all these other cast members that are doing things. I mean, Anthony Rapp had become a full-fledged, you know, recognizable TV and movie actor. But man, I mean, I was really hoping for a different cast because they're way too old to be playing these roles. So the movie was problematic. This is before Into the Woods, obviously. This is before Les Miserables, obviously. So we're, we are years from getting kind of, I guess you could say, movie musical adaptations that are more faithful to the stage show. But I remember being a, a high school freshman actually when this musical came out and I remember getting the cast recording for Christmas that year and just being absolutely blown away by the vocals by the music I mean this was the first cast recording which I understood what orchestrations were and how they could enhance a song and my parents we had a a small cabin slash house I guess you could call it in Vermont that we would go to for skiing vacations when I was a kid. And it was about a three-hour drive from Connecticut to do that. And I remember driving up there my my Jeep Wrangler, which I really, really miss. I love that car. And listening to this cast recording, and I remember visualizing as I'm driving on the highway of what a Rent movie could potentially look like and actually creating that movie in my head as I'm listening to the score. And let me tell you, folks, 
was much different than what we actually finally got from Chris Columbus and his gang. I'm not going to lie. Film didn't do well. $40 million budget. Open Thanksgiving weekend of 2005. And it bombed. Opening weekend, it grossed about $10 million. Total gross was about 29 to $30 million overall. It didn't even make back its production budget. And the reason why we're doing Rent this week is because a week from today, because we're releasing this on January 20th, is Fox is doing their Rent Live broadcast. So we're actually going to get a live version of Rent. And I'm already setting myself up for a little bit of disappointment because obviously, like, given the fact that Fox is doing it live on television, on on basic, you know, television, um, we are going to get a PG version of this show. Maybe PG-13. PG-13 will be pushing it. So... After next week, we have still yet to see a truly spectacular live production of Rent. And maybe we never will. I mean, who knows? But, you know, as a fan of Rent, as a person that's seen this show multiple times, that's listened to it countless times, you know, I'm crossing my fingers hoping for someday that we're going to get a great film adaptation of this, of this musical because I think it deserves it. I really do. So when we come back, I'm going to be joined with my co-host, Mr. Noah Golden. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you actually heard him on episode two of this podcast where we broke down camp of all movies. And I thought that podcast went really well. That's why I wanted him back because he knows the stuff. And I think we, we definitely talk about a lot of great topics regarding this film, what we liked about it, what we didn't like, give out some interesting awards. So it's a good one. But um, if you have not seen this movie yet, definitely do not listen to this podcast because we definitely talk about some spoilers. If you have seen this movie, I'm sorry. (laughs) For those of you who do want to see this movie before you listen to the rest of this podcast, I will tell you that if you have a Hulu uh, subscription, you can actually watch this movie on Hulu right now. It's actually available on Hulu. So um, there you go. But um, like I said, you kind of have to swallow your pride and hold your breath as you're watching this film anyway when we come back i'm going to be joined by noah golden we're going to break it down all things rent but first of course as always the trailer there are times when we're dirt broke and hungry and freezing and i ask myself why the hell am i still living here or life is yours to miss no a bunch of us are getting together tonight. Would you like to come with us? Sure. And we're back, uh, and now I am joined by my wonderful co-host, uh, the associate, or I should I should probably say interim chief Connecticut theater critic right now, Mr. Noah Golden. How are you, sir? Hello, everyone. Hi, I'm doing good. Uh, nice I, to be back. I just promoted you, like, instantaneously. <laughs> there, there you go. go. There you go. So now you're the interim uh, Connecticut theater critic. How are things going, first of all? 
things are going good. I'm actually going into a busy spell. I don't know if other people, other critics in the area have this, but I feel like with mine, it's like a really busy three weeks and then like nothing for like two months. Um, so I'm like heading into that really busy three week period. So nice. Um, are, you, are you doing a show right now? Are you involved in anything? Uh, I am going to be assistant directing Sister Act. Um, and we have mm. auditions next week. Nice. Um, so, so right. that's, you know that's what? Let's get, let's give a shameless plug. Who are you doing Sister Act with? Um, it's called a shared stage. We um, the show will be at the Kate in Old Saybrook. Um, if you're on the Connecticut shoreline, look us up. There you go. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for the update, man. I appreciate it. And I got to start off by apologizing to you for making you watch this movie. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. Apology accepted. Uh, I mean, you know, as we know, folks, not all of these movie musicals are going to be classics or good. And this just this one just kind of fails left and right. But Noah, I got to ask, where were you when you first saw this movie? Well, so I, I saw the movie in a theater um, when it came out. Um, and I let's see, I had up on the screen what year this came out. Where was 2005. it? 2005. Thanksgiving so weekend, in, 2005. Yep. Okay. So I was in high school um, and I remember like seeing it in a theater. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think to st- take a step back from that, cause I think my connection with the movie is so much with the show, mm-hmm. you know, the show is kind of one of those things that I saw a couple years before that. I think I was maybe 13 when I saw the show as a touring production in New Haven, um, actually with, uh, Constantine Morales, who ended up going on American Idol and. Broadway and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. um, who I ended up interviewing for on stage, which was yeah, fun. Cool. It's a full um, circle there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so he, he was Roger. And so, you know, that was sort of my first experience of the show. And I liked the show a lot when I was younger, um, <laughs> sort of a lot of teenagers do. Um, and then, you know, I think by the time the movie came out, you know, I still liked the show more than I like it now. Um, and I didn't particularly love the movie, even at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, but the movie was okay. And then I think in the interim, since I last watched the movie and I've last seen Rent, cause I don't think I've seen it on stage for a long time either. Um, you know, I've sort of, I've read enough things about kind of picking it apart in, in different ways and mm-hmm. it's definitely colored my, uh, colored my view on, yeah. on would, that show. Would you we'll have ever into- just... I was going to say, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, would you ever define yourself as a rent head, so to speak? No, I mean, I, I like the music. It's still music mm-hmm. that I enjoy listening to. Um, I've sung, I've sung I'll Cover You a bunch of times in, mm. in, a, in a musical review I did in college. And, um, you know, I've, of course, like anyone who does theater, I've like sang Seasons of Love a billion times. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I like the music. Uh, no, I wouldn't say I was a redhead, but I definitely liked it. In, uh, yeah, I still like the music, but I think I liked the show more kind of in my teen years. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was, it was weird. Like, I, I got this CD when I was in high school, and I hadn't seen the show yet. All my friends were obsessed with this this music. Uh, and I kind of was, like, listening to it with, like, okay, let's see what all the hype is about. And within like the first 15 minutes of listening to the cast recording the first time I was like, Oh my God, what am I listening to? This is incredible. 
And it actually was a long time before I actually finally saw a production of Rent. I, I think it was, gosh, at least two or three years before I actually got to see the actual show. And I, I even remember walking out of the show being a little disappointed because I was like, oh, man, I, I thought that that scene looked a different way from the way it was recorded and stuff like that. So it was yeah. kind of just in my head a little bit differently. But man, when I saw this movie, this came out the year, the the year after I graduated college, the the film. And literally within three seconds of the movie starting, I was like, wait, what is this? What, what's <laughs> what's like when they have when they're opening with seasons of love, I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? And then they're like, then um you know, Mark starts talking the December 24th. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and so it was like a nightmare that was unfolding. And I remember I was with my friends who were, I mean, I, I saw it with my friend who had seen the Broadway production of Rent 13 times oh, alone. Wow. Um, he's actually, since then, he's seen the show 37 times. Uh, it's something that he tells me every time I, I see him. But we were like, grasping each other like minute after minute like what is happening um and uh yeah it was just it, we left the theater just completely just disheveled of what we had just seen <laughs> no i gotta know so obviously you had your reactions to it then rewatching it for this podcast did you did it did your opinions change did you notice anything <laughs> new i mean did you hate oh, it boy. even more like tell me tell me your thoughts God. um so, so many thoughts i mean i think to me, there's sort of two things going on. I think there's problems inherent in the stage show themselves mm-hmm. that are there and, you know, are, are, are noticeable and, and, and bothersome to me. And those things exist in the show. They work better in the show largely because of just sort of the medium. Uh, and the, the movie, A, makes a lot of those things worse. <laughs> instead of mm. solving them it sort of makes them worse and then you have the problems that are inherent to the movie themselves um which you know a lot of those are just directorial i mean i think starting with i don't know who thought it was a good idea to get the person who you know directed mrs doubtfire to direct rent yeah um, that was uh ugh, chris columbus uh, that was a, an interesting choice because i mean for years we thought that it was going to be you know, Spike Lee, and then you heard Baz Luhrmann, and you heard Rob Marshall, and like right. all these other people, and it was like, wait, the Home Alone guy, like that guy's going to do Rent, like I mean, a, a Spike Lee Rent, I would, I, I oh, would I'd see that heartbeat, be interested in, you know, yeah. and I think so. I think that some of the problems is kind of the Chris Columbus problems, and the mm-hmm. script is just this weird, which we'll get into, I think, more with the songs you need and songs you don't, but well, as you said, this weird Frankensteining of like, well going to keep some numbers and then we're not going to keep others but we're going to speak them even though they still kind of rhyme yeah and it, it's just this weird frankensteining that just doesn't work so yeah not a lot of this movie works there's a couple things but well, what kills me is that like well. in, in all these interviews chris columbus like repeatedly said he was a huge fan of this show and yet uh-huh. like did everything that a fan would not have done to this show for the film. I mean, it right. really, he really just changed so much that, you know, for a, f- a fan base that is as intense as rent heads are that know this score, like the back of their hand. I mean, even myself who I'm like, I would call myself like a mild rent head. I can recite the score top to bottom yeah. you know, without even right. blinking. When you're, when you're having Mark talking December 24th, 9 PM Eastern standard time um, during the meeting where he's like, um, you know, there's, there's just, there's like during the, uh, the, the AIDS survivors meeting and like a lot of that stuff is 
especially with Gordon, like why choose fear? Fear's my life. I'm a New Yorker. And that's all being talked rather than saying, it's like, what are you doing? And so, yeah, the, the talking lyrics and this, and this is not alone. There's been other movies that have done this, but it's just the worst. Cause like people yeah. love these lyrics for a reason, you know? Well, I think to me, either you, you sing it much more through or you go the other way where you're like, we're not going to do the stage show. We're going to like bring in a good writer who can, you know, make this into a different medium. Yeah. But I think kind of, I don't know if it was like a servant of too many masters thing That's um, mm-hmm. or, or, or what, but it's like either you go one way or the other and, uh, you know, trying to kind of go in the middle, this is is very strange. Definitely. What do you think of the casting of this film by using the original cast and 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 also the folks that they brought in for it? So I'm mixed about that. I I I think the biggest I like the idea of it. I mean, I think it's great that they wanted to keep those people and who are very much sort of the you know the DNA of the show in mm-hmm. theory. Um, in theory, and I, yeah. And I like them. I mean, I think they're all really good performers. Um, to me, the biggest problem is just like the age thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that was my biggest problem with them um, is that there's already so like one of the big criticisms of Rent that I've heard a lot is this idea of that they're a bunch of sort of, you know, whiny suburban kids. Yeah. Who, you know, there's a great quote that I dug up. Um, there was a, a, a writer named uh, David Rakoff who did a lot of like this American life stuff. And he wrote a really good essay uh, about rent and how much he hated rent. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> look it up. It's very good. And here's a quote that I dug up uh, for this podcast. And I'll read you a little bit of it. Please. Um, but he says, uh, he, he's talking about you know, how they're the creative types. And he says, here's what they do in rent to show they are creative. Nothing. They do nothing. They hang out and hanging out can be marvelous, but hanging out does not make you an artist. A secondhand <laughs> wardrobe does not make you an artist. Neither does a hair trigger temper, melancholic nature, propensity for tears, hating your parents, nor even HIV. I hate to say it. None of these can make you an artist. Um, uh, the only thing that makes you an artist is making out, and that is the exact opposite of hanging out. Um, and, you know, he goes on to talk about the fact that, you know, they have loving families. <laughs> Most of these people um, who are just treated as like, oh, they're the worst, that they're from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, even Mimi has like supportive parents who are like calling and worried about her and um, and so there's a little bit of that part of Rent that I think is odd and casting people that look like they're in their 40s um, or, you know, maybe mid-30s uh, makes it even weirder because they're not like rebel young kids. They're like older, somewhat older people who like should kind of know, <laughs> know better mm. than, than, you know, like trying to like write one song for an entire play or something. Right. Right. Um, well, it's like even a prime example is, you know, during the life cafe scene where Mark seems to think that he has all the right in the world to take up the space in this waiter section without ordering anything. Yeah. Uh, and he has right. no intention of paying for it either without thinking about what the consequences are for the waiter himself. So it's like, 
there, yeah, there's just little things here where it's, yeah, you're there's, you're 100% right. There's some funny things I've seen about how, like, you know, when you get older, you realize that, like, you know, Benny's the only likable person in Rent. Mm. And, and there's something sort of true. He's like, guys, like, pay your rent. I'm letting you live here. <laughs> like, I'm not asking too much, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I so that bothered me a little bit with the age of the of the casting, some of the original people, like especially Adam Adam uh, is it Pascal or Pascal? Pascal, yep. Pascal, um, he just feels too old for, for me. Yeah, um, it just it was one of those things where I always felt like, and I remember when they announced the casting that the original cast was going to do this, and you know, keep in mind this is nine years after the Broadway show had closed, and these folks are already too old to be playing those roles to begin with. I mean, a lot right. of them were older than their characters described. So now they're doubly, doubly old um, by the time this movie comes around right. and you, you can just see it. Like, you know, you're, as this movie's going, especially like Jesse L. Martin and you know, yeah. Anthony Rapp, you're just like, what are you guys doing in this movie? I and like some of the new people I liked was Aaron Dawson. I think Tracy Toms is wonderful. Yeah. Two, um, I, that was a great, like the two additions I thought were really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I would have, I would have much rather seen a kind of a, a no name, ensemble which i guess we're kind of getting with the fox live tv yes. but i've got my own thoughts about that disaster and we'll talk about that later but um yeah no there's there's yeah the casting i just i was like you know what i just wish they they had different people and then there's also some random people in this movie too i mean like sarah silverman shows up as alexi <laughs> darling and it's like whoa right. okay like <laughs> well, and that's sort of another thing of that's maybe i'm wrong but i think that's like the one sort of book scene that's not in the play that's that right. they added and you're right. like why that's the one you added like you that's the one you didn't need right i fully got that covered like there's a lot of things i would have added but that i don't know that wasn't one of them that was a weird choice that was a weird choice um folks as you know like anytime we're watching a um movie musical every now and then something's going to give us the chills for good or bad. I mean, you know, sometimes it's going to make us emotional. Sometimes it's going to get us excited. Sometimes we're appalled, but um, we call these chill scenes. So Noah, I got to ask, are there any chill scenes that come to mind um, with this movie? I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a good chill because I don't know. I'm, a positive, I'm trying to be positive. Trying to be positive. Right? Um, I think I love the um, I'll cover you reprise. Mm-hmm scene i could just listen to jesse moten like sing all day mm-hmm. uh he, i just like that man's voice and um i always find that song really uh, emotionally moving um so i guess i would go with the with the funeral um i'll cover you reprising yeah for me i mean even though it's completely in the wrong part of the movie like anytime i hear those chords from seasons of love i'm gonna get the, the chills i mean that those those piano chords um that we hear in the opening of the film like i'm just like i'm done i'm like yeah. okay i'm i'm with you um same thing with no day but for to- no day but today that's another yep. one and uh will i was another scene where i'm just like those those the score thankfully with this movie they didn't do a lot of things wrong with the songs themselves which was good it wasn't like they were changing you know melodies or a lot of lyrics and things like that. They kind of kept everything as is, which is great. So it, it sounds great in a lot of places. And some of those songs do really sound great. And uh, those will always give me the chills. Any bad chills? Oh God. Um, maybe bad chills. I, um, the fact that, that 
the Roger leaves New York and enters into a, like a Bon Jovi video maybe is a bad chill. Yeah, that's in, a bad uh, chill. In, uh, <laughs> in, in What You Own. I have a feeling we'll be getting to that one more. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a weird directorial choice for that mm-hmm. number. Yeah, that was that was bad. And then also during like the one song Glory where we we kind of see April and his ex-girlfriend and you know, they they don't really kind of flesh out that story. I mean, we all know that she, you know, in the, at least in the musical book she kills herself, but that's never mentioned in the, in the movie because apparently that was too dark. Christopher Columbus like Chris uh, Christopher Columbus. Chris Columbus actually removed elements of the the songs and story yeah. because he felt it was too emotional. I'm like, it's red. Like again, <laughs> a fan, a real fan would never do that. Well, and she still died in the movie. She exactly. died AIDS, I presume, right? Presume exactly but the fact that we have to presume. Like it was it was I think you see her like a what is it, like a test result or something. Yeah, she gets a positive test back and you yeah. see her crying and then end of song. But uh <laughs> that's it. Um folks, we know that with these movies, not every storyline is is tied ni- nicely together not every plot line is uh concluded and sometimes there are some lingering questions that are left behind so noah any lingering questions about rent oh god um and it by the way this it could be with this movie it also could be with the actual show itself why why is the the he spends an entire musical trying to write one song and it's the woke song in the show yeah uh, maybe? oh <laughs> that's such as an overall rent question <laughs> um like you come back to from death because mm-hmm. of that <laughs> that song um i guess that's one of them my thing um, one of my boiling questions is why does she pick roger over benny mm, and especially in the end yeah. because i mean benny conducts himself better than roger he may bring up their past relationship to embarrass you know her but but basically Roger is unnecessarily hostile to me being this entire movie. He slut shames her. He's hypercritical about her addiction. Yeah. And then he runs off rather right. than support her and face the consequences of their failed relationship. And Benny, in contrast, actually tries to get her into rehab. And it's like. He's very shortchanged in, in rent. Like, I don't know. Benny's yeah. just kind of doing his. He's like, hey, I have to support myself. You want a space? I'll give you a space. Right. I have to pay for it. And they're just like, shut up. Like, they don't. He, he really, really gets is, the, the short end of the stick in uh, Benny. He does. In the show. It's, he's not nearly the antagonist that, I mean, like, maybe, who knows what Jonathan Larson, you know, was trying to do with this. Maybe he was trying to, you know, show that Benny's a good guy in some way or another. I mean, who knows? But like, yeah, no, it's that, that always bothered me of like, you know, why she did that. Um, any other lingering questions? Oh God. Um, I I can't think of any at the moment. Maybe we'll I have talk. keep talking. One big one that for me is: Does Mimi actually die, or does she just pass out and wake up? Mm. Like, yeah, it's just. I mean, there's nothing fantastical about this movie whatsoever. There's nothing magic realmish about this movie. Right. So the fact that she could flatline and then come back to life because she saw Angel and was like. Now is not your time. Just not believable for me. Yeah, you know? that, that's a show problem to me too. That it yeah. just feels like I get that, like it's a life affirming show, and you probably don't want to end it with someone dying. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It always felt a little cheap and, and easy. Like, oh, Angel was there, and then they're like, oh, she's better now. Her fever broke. 
She probably doesn't want heroin anymore either. And the other thing, (laughs) everything's great. She's awake. And her fever is gone. Like all of whatever ailment she was suffering from is immediately gone now that she's awake. Um, Also, like not for nothing, but what was what was Mark Cohen's film? (laughs) Oh, yes. That's another problem. (laughs) Like he quit his job at Buzzline because he needed to finish his own film. But when we see when they fire up the projector, at the end of the movie, all it is is basically a visual scrapbook. There's no narrative. There's no. Yeah, it's a terrible film. <laughs> there's no, it's not even a document. It's a terrible film. It's a terrible film. It's a terrible song. Uh, yeah. Well, and and that goes sort of back to like, oh, I'm supposed to like applaud that you quit, like getting a job in like TV news, which. I mean, I'm sort of in that feel like that's a hope, even, you know, now that's a really hope field to get a job in. Mm-hmm. Like you get a good paying job, but like it's a steady job doing what you do. And you're like, I can't take working for the man. I have to do my own thing. Like, shut oh. up. Just go to woke. <laughs> Make you film on the weekends like everyone else. Everyone else. <laughs> and, and keep working because your movie's terrible. Because he's filming like throughout this entire movie. And you're like, what is this? What are you doing? Like, what are you trying to make? Citizen Kane? I mean, it's, it's, I don't get <laughs> yeah, it. I don't get it those, at all. That's one of those riddles that I hope, it, not to bring up the live one again, which we'll get to later, but I think, you know, I was a little bit, uh, not dismayed, but dismayed to see that Michael Greif was directing that too. Because mm-hmm. I think, I like Michael Greif, I don't have anything against him, but I feel like there's problems in this show that like need fresh eyes, like need new young directors who could be like, how do we deal with this bad film problem? Like, right. I'm sure there's ways around some of those things, um, but we have not gotten that yet. And I'm I mean, I, I have to film. wonder if, if maybe that's why Greif has never won a Tony award, which <laughs> I mean, you think about his, his, I mean, he did great gardens. He did dear Evan Hansen and he still has never gotten yeah. a Tony award. And he's, and he's directed like, I would say four of maybe the most important you know, musical. Th- he also did Next to Normal. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Still hasn't gotten Tony Awards. So it's all that, that, that could be bad. why. That could be why. Ugh. Yeah. No. Great. A lot of lingering questions about this movie. All right. So, folks, we know that when they're casting films like this and putting these casts together, not everybody, not every first choice lands in the uh, the movie itself. And sometimes there are other options that were thought about too. So I have to wonder. Sometimes would this movie have been better? with either the second or alternative choice for some of these roles. Now, no, I'm, I'm throwing curveballs at you here. I did not prepare you for this, but okay. um, not I, I couldn't find a lot of information about alternative castings, like auditions. It seems like the producers were pretty headset on having the original cast in mm-hmm. this movie and even offered roles to both um, Daphne Vega and Freddie Walker Brown to reprise Mimi and Joanne. But uh, Freddie Walker Brown wisely said, look, I'm too old to play that role. So no. Um, and Daphne Ruben Vega was um, pregnant at the time. So she couldn't have done it, but something tells me that she might have if yeah. she could. But um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, one of the actresses that was considered for Joanne who auditioned for Joanne was Jennifer Hudson. Mm. So I have to ask you, would this movie have been better with Jennifer Hudson playing Joanne rather than Tracy Toms? I, even Jennifer Hudson couldn't save this movie. Right. Um, I mean, I, you know, 
you can't get much too much better of a singer than than Jennifer Hudson. Um, and you, although I think Tracy Tom sounds great on this show, I don't know if it would be a I don't know if it'd be better with. I mean, I think I think Jennifer Hudson would have been very good. Yeah, I think that's about all I could say there. I mean, Jennifer Hudson, I think, is a better singer. I think she's a different singer than Tracy Toms, but Tracy Toms actually is a decent actress. And, um, you know, I think that with all due respect to Jennifer Hudson, I I don't think she's a phenomenal actress. So, Uh um, yeah, I don't think it would be I I don't think it would have been better. I think, yeah, much more needed to happen to make this movie better than just Jennifer Hudson. Interestingly enough, though, the two other directors that were heavily considered to direct this other than Spike Lee was attached at the time and also rumored uh long ago was martin scorsese as well which would have been interesting um but the two real other possibilities were rob marshall okay who had done chicago and uh baz lerman who had done moulin rouge and romeo and juliet and all these things so i have to wonder would this movie have been better directed by either one of those two gentlemen uh first of all i'm not a big baz lerman like i'm one of the kind of anti moulin rouge people wow uh, I don't love Moulin Rouge. Um, it's just a little too like seizure inducing. Um, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. For me. Well, all um, of its stuff pretty much is. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think it's fine. I'm not like the biggest Baz Luhrmann fan. So, um, you know, I think Scorsese would have been really interesting. I think Spike Lee would have been really interesting. I don't know about Rob Marshall. I think, you know, what I think might be interesting about Scorsese or Spike Lee or, you know, some of those other people is I think you really missed the grittiness of what rent should be. Yes. Uh, and the movie just feels very um, clean and safe and, and pretty and yeah. pretty and uh, you know, we're going to make rent so that the, you know, people and the older people in you know, middle America or whatever want to see it. Yeah. Um, so I think you're missing some of that. So I think if one of those people are able to bring a little bit more of that, um, not danger exactly, but just, you know, this this part of New York and this part of uh, history, you know, was very, was, you know, dangerous and yeah. all the, the 10 cities and the homeless population and the drug addicts. And mm-hmm. I think if you had sort of had someone who could make that feel more palpable and not like this movie new york where everything was mm-hmm. kind of pretty and clean and... well i think yeah i mean when I, I i won't lie like when this came out and for years there were rumors that there was going to be a red movie at some point um i started visualizing like what this movie what i would want a rent movie to look yeah. like and in in my mind i still think like you know take this movie make it on a 10 million dollar budget have it look gritty as all heck like even film it on the 35 millimeter if you have to and take a director like someone like Spike Jones, I think would have gotten it and, yeah. and nailed that that style. Um, but you're right. I mean, this this was a studio project. I mean, I believe I got to look this up real quick. But the the budget on this movie um, was forty million dollars. Wow. So I mean, that's way too much. And yeah. um, I mean, it it also flopped. I mean, it only grossed about thirty million. So um, I mean, that's the big thing. Is like you know cut that budget in half, make this thing gritty. And and that's what they should have done. But yeah, you're right. It looks like a studio film, um, way too pretty, way too high budget for what rent, you know, should always have been. So yeah, it, that was definitely, uh, that was definitely problematic. So, and I don't, and also to your point, I don't think Baz Luhrmann or Rob Marshall could have done any better. I think they would have had two different styles that 
and neither would have worked. <laughs> like Rob Marshall I, probably would have gotten too much in the dance and Basil right. would have gotten way too much in the design. So although I sort of feel like they would have at least it, they might have been train wrecks, but they would have been more interesting train wrecks. Because yeah. this is also sort of a boring train. Like it's a train wreck, but it's also kind of just like eh. Like it's not, it's not a super interesting train wreck. So maybe Very they would true. have done something like w weird and bad with it instead of just kind of boring and bad with definitely. it. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Oh my gosh, folks! You know, with um, most movie musicals, all movie musicals, for them to be a true success, you need to have four different criteria firing on all cylinders, and for it to be a truly successful film, and. Um, you know, that's, of course, singing, dancing, acting, and design. So what we like to do here is go down the list and rank from one to ten, one being the worst, what we felt was the singing, the dancing, and the acting and design. So, Noah, let's go this one by one. So you know, so start. let's start with singing. What did you give the singing in Rent one to ten? I think, in a way, the singing is probably the best thing in Rent, mm. even though they're older um, and maybe don't look as much the part um you know i think the singing is really good they you know it's the original cast album for ex with a few exceptions mm -hmm. um so you know i think they're really strong singers um you know i don't like to go to i'm going to give them what an uh eight and a half nine maybe yeah that's right where i was i gave them a nine i mean you know these are all this is not Les Mis. This is, you know the, all of these people are actually singers uh and trained singers and and to your point i mean I think a couple of them actually their voices are better than what they used to be. Uh, like yeah. I think, I think age and maturity definitely help Adina Menzel because if you listen to the first original cast album, she's kind of just belting everything. Um, and you know, through Wicked and all the other stuff that she was doing, really kind of helped her find some more finesse to her voice. Mm -hmm. um, same, I would say the same thing for Adam Pascal and, and even Tay Diggs. So yeah, I was right with you though. The singing is definitely the best, the highlight of this movie. And again, you listen to the soundtrack, it's fantastic. I mean, the movie soundtrack is great. So yeah, nine, definitely nine for me. Um, and dancing. I'm actually one of oh, those people who I was going to say, uh, maybe a little sacrilegious. I kind of like Rosario Dawson a little bit better than, uh, uh, I don't know. I find, why am I blanking on her name? Oh, Daphne Ruby Vega? Daphne. Yeah. I don't love that voice. There's something about it that I find a little... Annoying. I think it's either you like it or you don't. Well, famously, um, I mean, what happened was, I don't know if you knew this, she blew out her voice like okay. kind of midway through the run of Rent before they recorded the cast album. So that's why she sounds, on the album at least, she sounds very, very scratchy right. uh, because of that damage that was done. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I can't confirm this 100%, but I was told by people that were, you know, quote unquote, in the know, um, she was never really a, a trained singer mm -hmm. um and therefore you know when with a, with a role like out tonight and you know a lot of the other stuff that she does you know she was obviously doing a lot of stuff you know incorrectly and it really right. damaged her vocal cords but gotcha. um i would have loved to have seen what she originally sounded like before the recording yes. but okay so but yeah, to your point i agree i agree yeah recording daphne versus you know recording uh rosario I, you know i i would probably go recording rosario yeah. how about the dancing one to ten what do you what would you give that not much, is not there? much, right? There's, <laughs> I mean, there's the the Tango Maureen scene. There's the Tango Maureen. Angel does a little like couple moves and uh, what's it called? Today for you. Yeah. Um. So there's not much. Not much. <laughs> what there was was fine. But I mean, it's not it's not quite non applicable here. But yeah, I gave it, I gave it a two. Like I I was just like just because there wasn't much, and what we did get was kind of 
I don't know. I, it was it just wasn't great. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say like a four, just because it was like kind of middle of the road. But yeah, yeah, I mean, two is two is perfectly acceptable. I mean, even the stuff in like in La Vie Bohème, it was just like just people are just kind of moving around. It didn't really look like it was, you know, you know, intense choreography and right, um, which is fine. I mean, it did. It's fine. You know, it's not it's not a big deal. But this movie did have a choreographer. Um, and uh, let me see who it was real quick. I believe. Let me just check this real quick. I don't know if you needed a whole tango number, but you probably didn't. And that was the thing was like it just there were a lot of there there were I mean in the stage show there's definitely opportunity for more choreography um than you know in the in than what they showed in the movie. So I was, again and I, unfortunately you lose that when you decide to cut, you know, basically half the score um from the film. So Right. Um, well and what's the the um like the sex scene number has the like dance bits contact. Um, I think has some like dance bits in there. Yeah. I mean, that would have been, I think a fantastic, you know, choreographer, you know, moment there. You mm-hmm. know what? I can't, I can't, Oh no, here, Keith Young was the, uh, the choreographer and Keith Young is also the choreographer of, um, not much else. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking okay. here. He did like episodes of like pushing daisies and, he oh he's a choreographer for two episodes of Dancing with the Stars. I mean, yeah, yeah gotcha. he, that's yeah he hasn't really done much. So yeah, two two teasers. that was a good show. Two for you, Keith Young. Two for you. Um, acting wise, how'd you feel about this movie? Acting wise, one to ten. <laughs> you know, I I think given the material and given what they had, I think generally they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they have the benefit of like it really feels and some of these people like it's very much in there they done they did it for so long uh you know it sort of feels like part of them in a nice way um you know they had like how many years of rehearsal basically for this right right uh uh, so you know a lot some of the problems they had one is like them they were just kind of like the lines they were given or something that were like song lyrics. They didn't sound like how a human being talks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I would say it was pretty good. Um, like a seven maybe. Yeah, me too. I had it exactly on seven. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, what's interesting about this cast though, is that like a lot of them since rent have become, had become TV and tele and film actors like Tay mm-hmm. Diggs, Anthony Rapp, um uh you know Rosario Dawson came from a film back film yeah, background. Yeah, Jesse Moten was on uh, Jesse Law and was Order. on Law and Order for a number of years. Yeah. So like they they had experience in front of the camera. Adina Menzel not so much. I mean she really has only done a handful of movies uh where she's actually physically a person acting in it. Um right. and Disney, the, the Enchanted the movie. Yeah. yeah. So and you know Anna Pascal really hasn't done any movies at all, and and so it, it was weird because the people that were inexperienced at being in front of the camera, you could see it in this yes. movie, and um, therefore you, it was definitely uneven in a lot of areas. So yeah, I, I but I gave it a seven because most of the cast and the people that they did bring in were you know film and television actors. I mean Tracy Thompson had just done The Devil Wears Prada, so like mm-hmm. you know we 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 had seen these people, so we knew who they were. So they 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 definitely knew what they're doing. Um, all right, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna do design first because I have a bone to pick. Okay. <laughs> Here it is. I gave the design a two. Okay. Um, because this movie is supposed to take place in the late 80s, early 90s, and it doesn't look like that at all. 
And I understand that like a lot of people are going to say, well, there's not really much of a difference between 2005 and 1996, 97 when this movie came out. I beg to differ. I believe the early mid nineties was much different place than 2004 to Mm -hmm. 2005 in terms of style. Um, The, the dirtiness of New York city. I mean, there, there wasn't, it didn't look like there was a lot of effort put into this movie to make it look like it was late eighties, early nineties when Jonathan Larson said it. Um, And that was my, that was my big issue. And again, even the, you, you, we kind of talked about it before, even what was supposed to look dirty about New York looked phenomenal. Like, honestly, I would love to have Mark and um, uh, Roger's apartment. I would have killed for that apartment. That's a huge apartment. I would have killed for that. I I was thinking that too. It's like, I, you know, you live in New York now, like you're lucky if you can get a shoebox, Right. Uh, And then when there's like big, (laughs) there's like big ass loft. And and uh, and even like the space that Maureen is performing in, it's like this huge hall or whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's in. So uh, yeah, uh, that's definitely a, a problem. I mean, I wasn't. So I agree with you. I you know I I don't maybe know as much about sort of what New York in the mid '80s looked like. I, you know, I didn't look like I that was around <laughs> in New York in those days. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely felt stagey it felt mm. you know like a, a recreation of of something in a way that as he said felt just kind of far too clean and and yeah. safe and you know the 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 way so that the, the block was designed and the way the apartment building was designed um oh not to go back for a second but that's a lingering question why were they throwing the burning trash in the street yeah i mean <laughs> we care about our we care about protecting our let's light crazy. everything on fire and throw out the window because that's you know solves everything i just and didn't they light it on fire to get heat according to like the lyrics yeah they were cold so they were like burning all their, their movie posters and, movie posters and sheet music yep but then they abandoned nope. that three seconds later and just throw it out the window throw out the window and protest because that's what we do uh yeah that was a Weird choices left and right. Uh, moving on, folks. We know that with all these movie musicals, not every song is going to make the cut because these movies cannot be three hours long. Although Rent does come close because it's two hours and fifteen minutes. Um, it feels it. If you feel every second of it, you're right. Um, so sometimes numbers are cut. So we like to do something here at the Movie Musical Shakedown called numbers that we needed or missed or you know just. Why did they cut that number? With this movie, I the list goes on and on. But let me no, I'll start with you. What was what were some of the numbers that you were like, we need those in this movie? Um, the one that first came to mind is not actually even a full cut, but I missed the end of Goodbye Love. Mm, yeah, um, I missed that. I just like I don't know. I just personally like that section. Um, that was also cut I, because he was afraid it was going to be too emotional. I'm like, dude, this is this is rent. It's, it's supposed to be emotional. I think you sort of needed that closure in the scene and the fight between um, Roger and 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 Mark. Um, you know, I just think you, I, I missed that section. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing that came to mind. Nice. For me, it was Christmas Bells. That's one of my favorite songs yeah. in the entire show. And it was nowhere to be seen. And I'm like, nope. are you kidding me? And, and like... I mean, I could even say like all the phone messages gone. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Um, 
the opening song, like literally the opening song, December 24th, that was gone. I mean, yep. so like for Rent fans, we're just watching this and you're just like, what? You're taking away all the things that we love about this movie and you're trying to base it in a reality that it is not supposed to exist yet. Now, granted, I think if they made this movie after Les Mis, it'd be a much different movie, but still it's like, oh, just left and right. Like there was just so much missing in this movie that I, I just yes. wish that it was there. I agree um, with Christmas bells. I, I, I'm not actually the biggest fan of like the kind of talk singing, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the voicemails or the, right. the uh, Alexi stuff. So I don't know that one didn't bother me quite as much, but yes, like the Christmas bells, some of that stuff mm-hmm. um, you, you missed. And like the little, um, is that part of Christmas bells? Like some of the, the stuff with like the bizarre and they're buying all the things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the woman like I love the exchange, which is spoken in the movie when he has that fight with that the homeless very, woman? the yeah. homeless woman who's very reasonable. That's a very good question, by the way. Um, you know, who's like, hey, why are you, you know, profiting off me? Because you know, you're not. And by the me- way, there's I I can tell you I've taught that that line that sequence. I I have friends that are photographers and and filmmakers and documentary filmmakers. They tell me that that line frustrates them so much because. Anytime that they do that, they always give those people something um, right. for for filming. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I can't, I can't stand this whole thing. So yeah, so no, I missed that. I missed that the uh, that song, and I think they took out some of the language in that scene too. Oh, like all language in this movie was was taken out. So because um, I think her her response to him was was sort of changed. So I, yeah. I missed that little number. Any numbers that we could do without? Anything that you wish was cut from this film? I don't have an easy answer to that. I think my answer is comes back to what we were saying. It's like either you go one way or the other. Like mm-hmm. if you decided to make it all sung through, then you do that. And if you decide to ha- make it more of kind of a book musical, fine. But then don't like have half of uh, you'll see for no reason. Right. Like either make it all dialogue or make it all song, but you're kind of doing half and it makes no sense. Um, so it, it was more that kind of stuff to me. There wasn't, I'm trying to think, there was there, you know, it, they probably could have found a better way to handle, you know, something like what you own in a, mm-hmm. in a different way or, you know, some of those numbers that are just sort of um, expository ones that they kept trying to think about a good example. Well, like you'll see, yeah. you know. You could have I mean, made two lines. It's a good song, but this is a good song. Yeah. No, I, I'm not sure what the purpose of it in a musical is. If you already, if you're going to make things into dialogue, then you know, make it into dialogue. Right. I mean, for me, like I, I because there's so because they already cut half the score of this movie for the movie. I was like, no numbers we could do without none of them. Like I no. want them all in there. <laughs> yeah. Because for God's sakes, I'm fighting for more. <laughs> like yeah, fighting for more of it. Um. No, if you have five minutes and you just want to watch a five-minute chunk of Rent, what are you going straight? What scene or song are you going straight to? Um. Well. Uh, I mean, if you have to watch five minutes of this movie. I have to watch five minutes of Rent. There's a couple of them. I mean, song-wise, I love, uh, and and probably like like I said, I've sung it before, and I have a real soft space for uh, I'll cover you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like the song, although it's filmed really boringly. That yeah. You're just walking. Uh, it's very boring. Um, but I would say 
I would probably say uh, Take Me or Leave Me mm-hmm. because that's just a fun number. And like, who doesn't want to see Adina Menzel and Tracy Toms just like be lesbian divas and like belt and to riff all over the place. Riff all Love over it. the place. Love so it. I would go with that one. That's a good one. That's a good pick. For me, it's it's another day. That's that mm. you know when Rogers like doesn't want to go out and everybody else wants to go out and they and they kind of start that like no day but today. Um, that always is going to be that's one of my favorite moments in the show. Thankfully, they didn't screw it up in the movie. And um, yeah, that's like that's the one scene. Um, actually, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse my opinion on the numbers that we could do without. Uh, I'm gonna say Santa Fe. Mm, yeah. Of all, the, of all the songs in this movie, I. I, and, and musical I, I've never liked Santa Fe it never makes sense to me I get that they're like yeah wouldn't it be great to get out of here but you don't need a song to decide that and do you um, like the newsy song Santa Fe I like the newsy Santa Fe <laughs> man Santa Fe gets a lot of attention in, in musical theater it, for some reason it does well and I think that goes back to like I said I, I love the song of I'll cover you but I think that's a good point of like in a movie you know they're already in love like it doesn't serve any purpose in the movie right exactly it's a good song and like I don't want them to cut it but you know it kind of goes back to that like we know they're in love, and so we're just going to stop the movie and hear them sing about it. For- right, uh, right. But Santa Fe, I agree. That song doesn't really work for me. It doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, folks, this movie was filmed in 2005. It's based in the early 90s. It's supposed to at least be based in the early 90s. So I have to ask, what is timeless about Rent, the movie, and what is dated about Rent, the movie? Um, Noah, start. Give me something that you uh, feel is timeless about this movie. What's timeless about the movie? Um... I, you know, I mean, I think generally the overall message is pretty timeless and mm. holds up. Um, you know, the sort of no day but today theme I think is nice and and works. And um, so I just uh, did a an interview, which you will see on uh, onstageblog.com, yeah. with uh, the set de- set designer, although they call it the production designer because it's on uh, TV, the production designer of Rent Live. And he had a really good quote about why rent is, you know, relevant. And it's about, you know, being yourself and finding your own family. Right. Um, right. And sort of making your own tribe. And, and and I think generally that holds up pretty well, um, you know, and the fact that he was also talking about uh, it was the first time he had seen uh, when he saw it, it was the first time he had seen a, a gay couple sing a love song to each other mm-hmm. um, in a in a show. And so, you know, some of some of that, that it was sort of an early example of being a very inclusive musical. Um, you know, not much is even made of like that Joanne is now uh, not Joanne, that Maureen is now bisexual. Uh, like it's not a huge plot point. It's just like, OK, now she's dating a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that part is really good um, and, and sort of sort of timeless, a kind of a more modern attitude than maybe you'd expect from the, the early, uh, the late 80s. Yeah, I think, like, yeah, fighting the man, I think, is a timeless theme. I mean, I think there's always going to be a subsection of, you know, young people that feel that they're being, you know, there's injustice in the world and they have to fight it. And I think that's that spirit is very alive in that in this film. Um, and that that's never going to go away either. So, um on the flip side, what's dated about this movie? I've got one for you, Noah. And thankfully, yes, I think HIV and AIDS is dated. Yes, yeah. Thankfully, 
that's a good thing. I mean, that's not a complaint. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. that there are people in this world, this youth in this world, that have no idea what this disease is, and that's right. a good thing. Yeah. So yeah. That's... I mean, you know, clearly there are people out there who are still who are still dealing with it, but the but the way it's treated and the way it's, uh, you know, the, the it being a death sentence, luckily, is mm-hmm. is uh, is very different. Thank God for modern science. Absolutely. Yes. And really, I mean, you could you could definitely say that you know musicals like Rent, when they did come out in like the you know early mid nineties. Um, was a huge proponent for AIDS awareness and, mm-hmm. you know, really could, was a, a, a force of change, I think, and, and why it is now you know, awareness is out there and the science is caught up through funding and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's, right. that's a good thing. Well, and, and, and I think, too, and, and more people who uh, Osmodo about this have talked about this, but I think that Ren also did a lot to, um, I don't want to say normalize certain things, but 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 bring a certain... A cultural attitude to, you know, a theater goer or a, a listener who may not be as used to, you know, a, a gay love story at that time right. or a drag queen or, um, you know, a story about a, 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 a drug addict with AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, but I think that's also, you know, you can also see how dated some of that is with, you know, um, is it Mimi who has the speech in the funeral about how they met someone on the street who like yeah. you know, had never seen a, a, a drag queen before? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it wasn't dated for 1980, whatever, when the movie is set. But, you know, now it's a little a little dated. Yeah. Little dated. Most um, people know what that is by now. <laughs> this whole also, shows about it. Yeah, totally. And you know what else I think is dated? Movies directed by Christopher Columbus. Chris Columbus. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and answering machines. And answering machines. I mean, Chris Columbus is a very early '90s director. I mean, he granted, he directed some of the biggest hits, you know, of that that era. I mean, you know, you can just run down the list and be like, oh my god, you know, he did the Home Alone films. He did Mrs. Doubtfire. He did Stepmom. I mean, he did the first two Harry Potter movies, which is really right. what. I mean, forget Home Alone and Mrs. Doubtfire. When I heard he was directing Rent, I'm like, wait, the guy who did Harry Potter is going to do Rent? <laughs> Has like, he what? directed? I'm just looking up what he's if he's directed stuff in like the more recently. Actually, he no. hasn't directed a lot since Rent. A well, couple... the problem is he did he did movies. Pixels and he had he just had flops and uh, yeah, Percy Jackson's kind of a flop. Percy Jackson's a flop. Pixels is definitely a flop, and you know apparently he's got some stuff on the 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 horizon but including um, a five nights at freddy's movie which i am not looking forward to seeing yeah i mean yeah it's just you know and it's it's sad because i i do think there are some some things that he did well but i mean mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's, it's it was by the time he got to rent it was kind of the run the run had ceased um all right so with these, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Anything else you feel is dated about this movie? But answering machines, yes, definitely. Uh, answering machines. Uh, no, I, I, I think we covered the big ones. Oh, you know what I think is dated? This version of Bohemian lifestyle. No one's living like this anymore. Like right. you know, everybody's. You, you have the spirit, but you got a job at the same time. So like, you know, like <laughs> yes. Mark can be angry at the world and you know try to be a documentary filmmaker, but he's also working for Enterprise Rent a Car at the same time. Yeah. So like, let's not. <laughs> At least wait or something. You know? Yeah, come on, folks. We're not we're not just going to live by ourselves in a loft and not have heat during the winter. I mean, that's just <laughs> not going to happen. Anymore. So, um, all right, folks. So at the end of these, we always like to do some give out some awards. 
We have, of course, the Barbara Award that goes to who we feel is the best singer in this movie. Uh, on the flip side, we have the Russell Crowe Award, which is given to the worst singer in the movie. Um, and then finally, the Bumlet Award for the ensemble supporting member that just kind of pulls your focus and you can kind of think about um, later in this film. So, Noah, I'll start with you. Who gets your Barbara Award for the best singer in this movie? <laughs> I, th- as we said, I think I think there were there were a, a, a lot of very good singers. Um, and you know, Adina Menzel is a great singer. Oh, that's another thing that's dated, like very '80s performance art parody. Yeah, that doesn't happen um, anymore either. That, that was very dated, and probably was dated when like the show came out. Truthfully, um, <laughs> I don't really know. Um, so you know, you can't go wrong. She's a great singer. Um, a, a couple of them, as I said, I have a soft spot for uh, Jesse L. Martin's voice, just kind of his like deep gospel-y mm. voice I think is just so smooth and nice I wish I could sound like that <laughs> um so he stands out to me I also really like Tracy Tom's voice I thought she had some really really nice uh moments yeah yeah definitely a surprise I did not hear expect that from her so yeah I, I would probably go with one of those two nice nice good, good choices I'm gonna give it to Adam Pascal actually mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, his voice, he always had that rock star voice, but it always was very, you know, I felt very early on, especially on the Rent recording, the original Rent recording in Aida, very kind of one-dimensional in a way. And really by the time the movie came out, it it matured in a different way, and he was getting a little more soulful. Um, So it's like, I I would call it like the most improved award almost. Um, So yeah, no, he he definitely gets mine. Uh, On the flip side, my I'll start with myself here, the Russell Crowe award. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. I love the guy. I've interviewed the guy. I've met him a couple of times. I actually saw him this past weekend at BravoCon and said hello. So we know each other at least. But as much as I love Anthony Rapp, he is not a singer. And it kills me to say that. It's He's always going to be nasally. It's always going to come off whiny. And again, like nine years between the movie and the original musical, nothing about that changed. So Anthony Rapp gets my Russell Crowe. How about you, sir? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good, I actually didn't have a good answer for this. Nice. Um, cause I thought, you know, there was no bad quote unquote bad singer. Yeah. Anthony Rapp. I mean, he's definitely more of a sort of an actor's singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, buy a CD. He doesn't, maybe doesn't bother me quite as much just cause I, I don't know. I feel like I sort of grew up, grew up listening to this and like grew up a lot listening to the, you know, good man, Charlie Brown's CD that he was on. So I feel like I'm like just very used to his voice. Um, I mean, right he now. has a, I will say he has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. And when you hear him on a recording, whether it's If Then or Charlie mm-hmm. Brown, I mean, you know it's yeah. Anthony Rapp, but it's not a good voice. It's not like yeah. a, you know, I like mean, I, You'll probably, but I think in terms of kind of nice voices, he might be the, the least. And what kills me is he really but, kind of set the standard for that performance. So like I have actually seen other actors – um, that are classical trained singers that have played that role since and are forced to kind of go into that Anthony Rappish type of nasal, you know, uh-huh. wine, so to speak. So, I mean, he really defined that role and uh, it, you know, now people kind of just kind of do that, which I think is annoying. <laughs> um, well, if, right. I ever, if I ever play Mark, I will. There you I go. Will, try to I try will. to do it like a full throated, you know. <laughs> um, all right. Bum little word. Named after the character Bumlet and Newsies, who, if you haven't seen Newsies the movie, by the way, that's also being done on this podcast in a couple of weeks. Tease there. Um, 
if you watch the King of New York number, it's his, the actor's name is Domino Cucheri. He's the one spinning on the fan at the end. And after you see that, of course, you cannot take your eyes off of him for the rest of the movie. So we, I wanted to name a movie, uh, an award after him because he sadly passed about uh, a couple years ago. And uh, for the, the ensemble person that you just absolutely cannot take your eyes off of, or at least you're thinking about, you know, the most after you leave the film. So Noah, for you, who gets your bumlet award for <laughs> Rent the Movie? I thought this was actually kind of hard because there wasn't a lot of um, it, it really sort of focused on your main cast. Um, right. So there wasn't like that kid that kept popping up or something that that, uh, you know, that that really did it for me. Um, I think my answer was and I just am looking at the list and I think I had the wrong name of the person. Um, I really liked the guy's voice who sang um the a lot of the solos in the life support um in the in the oh gordon the character team. of gordon yeah wayne um, wilcox is his name wayne wilcox i had written down it was aaron law who's also i guess in the, he's also in it yep in the group who isn't he married to dina menzel now that's, i think that's where they met i think well i think they knew each other before this but yes uh, they are um, now married so i thought it was aaron law but now that i'm looking at the headshots i think it's wayne wilcox wayne wilcox um, so he plays gordon yep. like gordon i just you know he's kind of one of those things where he opened my his mouth and i was like i didn't he has a beautiful voice mm. um and i didn't expect um you know that exactly so and i wanted more of gordon i guess um who knew? Yeah. So uh, I would guess I'd go with Wayne Wilcox. Yeah, Wayne Wilcox was up there for me. Aaron Lore, who is also, by the way, in Newsies too, by the way. Um, oh, okay. he, he was another one that was up there for me. But I'm going to give it to uh, Mackenzie Fergins, who played April, mm. Roger's Roger's uh, ex-girlfriend who, who dies. Uh, because um, just, I mean, I liked how they showed those flashbacks. You don't really get that in the, the stage version. You don't really see any of that. And you got to kind of see that in the movie. And really it's it's almost like a mini movie in itself of like oh god like she just survived like this was a much different you know path of life and she i mean for her the for just that montage she does kill that role um and you're definitely thinking about her you know basically throughout the movie so um and i would i would dare to say that you know that was the love of roger's life i don't think his relationship with mimi is tops that in any way but you know yeah that's just me um so yeah, Mackenzie Fergins, if you're out there listening to this podcast, which you know I hope you are, um, you get my Bomblet Award uh, as well. Final question for you, Noah. This is kind of weird. This is a weird question to ask because you know, we kind of get the answer already. But should this get a remake? And I, <laughs> I guess mean, we are, right? Like we're I guess one. we are. I mean, I you know the the thing that I think is good is that there is that recording of the the Broadway show. Yeah. Um, with a pretty, I actually watched it recently because, uh, there was actually a, a production that was auditioning, um, a couple months ago in my area for rent. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll audition. Cause I'm a single Jewish filmmaker. I could do that role, yeah. um, in real life. So why not do it on stage? Um, so I, before I, it, it was like an audition tape. So like before I sent in the tape, um, I watched parts of the, the lot that was recorded live. It was like the last Broadway cast, I think. Yep, with uh, Will Chase and Adam Cantor and Renee Elise Goldsberry. Yep, it was great. Um, Amazing as Mimi. And uh, so you know, I, I think it's really great that exists. I think you know, if you're like, oh, I what's Rent, and you want to show someone what Rent is, that's why I would send them not this movie. Yeah. Um, it, but um, 
you know, I I will be very interested to see what they do with the live version of it. I think, you know, I don't think we need another version of it that's the... Now, maybe I'll be wrong. I don't think we need another version of it that's like the Michael Greif original production right. mold of Rent. To me, if I'm going to see Rent, I want to see like a different, you know, I'm not saying set the show on Mars or something, but, you know, I want to see, uh, you know, Michael Oden or something who can like take it and do something different. Interesting with it, yeah. Take it in a new direction. I think we know what, this rent looks like we've seen a movie version we've seen the stage version um you know and so to me if you're really i wouldn't necessarily think you need to make another movie of it mm -hmm. i'd be interested to see if someone down the line you know wants to revive it for the stage or something and see how they can do something different and and, and fresh with it yeah i mean in a good way in a bad way i mean the jonathan larson family the, the larson family is obviously very, very protective of Rent's legacy and, and right. his production. So uh, unfortunately, I, I don't, unless it was like this, you really had to work with the Larson family in doing something like this. Yeah, I, I don't see a revival being able to really change the musical, like in terms of its aesthetic and its style and it's right. the way it looks too, too much. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been over 10 years since it closed on Broadway. I'm willing to bet in the next 10, we will see it revived. Um, yeah. I think that's definitely going to happen down the road. Uh, we'll see when how a, this this Fox thing impacts that. Yeah. Yeah. One, it's a strange situation because I mean the musical wasn't even necessarily totally finished when he when he died. Right. Right. Um, so you kind of have this weird dichotomy. Well, even you know he probably was because he died right on the first like preview of the show or something, mm -hmm. even before it was on Broadway. So you know usually you're like making changes up until. Uh, you know, farther into your previews. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could totally see why the family, and I know um, his sister is like one of the lead producers on the live version. Yep, yep. Um, uh, so I could see why they would be, you know, protective of it. But I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm never a fan of that style. Of like, oh, it has to be a certain way. It's like you wrote the show, it's in the world. <laughs> exactly. And, and I still, I mean, for the life of me, I still don't like the fact that Fox is doing this, but yes, you know, again, if, if the Larson family is so protective of Ren's legacy, then why are you letting Fox do this? Cause without, they're going to cut so much of this thing. It's not even funny. And uh, I would be, you know, shocked if things like contact and like the, some of the languages in this movie, I mean, well, you can't, I mean, you can't swear on, TV. <laughs> I know, and it's like it's just yeah. Who knows? Uh -huh. Who knows how this? We'll, we'll, but folks, we will find out will. Um, on January Sunday, January seventh, twenty seventh. So we will find out soon. Um, Noah, any last thoughts before we uh, sign off? Well, uh, it was fun talking about the movie Rent, and I'm glad. And then to let's never, never do it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> like, folks, we are not. I mean. Even though they did the uh, the the live taped version of this, we will not be covering Rent again. So this is the only <laughs> time that we're doing yeah. Rent. But um, yeah, I think this is a movie that I, I definitely like had its problems. I think it was a problem of its time when it came out. I think if you tried to make this in 2019, 2018, it's a different movie altogether. Yes, it's a very 2005 type of movie. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 just terrible and. Just if you're if you're a tr I've always said this, I have not 
yet met a true rent fan who likes this movie. I think it's like a testament to your fandom. Like if you if you like this movie, you are no fan of rent, um, so to speak. So I know that's a hot take, but what are you gonna do? Um Noah, I know you mentioned that the show that you're involved with, um, anything else that you want to plug? Or first of all, where can people find you uh on social media? Oh, sure. Uh you can find me on uh on on Twitter, uh at Noah the Golden. Um, on Twitter, I'm the same handle, I think, on Instagram. I think there's dots between the, the words on Instagram. Um, and so that's where you can find me. Uh, and, yeah, keep uh, – I don't necessarily have anything else to, to plug, but keep – there's some, there's some more articles and some more fun stuff. Check out the – by the time this comes out, the, uh, the interview with Jason Sherwood, the, the rent production designer, um, will be up on this site. That was really interesting to talk to him. Uh, he comes from a, a, a concert, some stage back. Um, he's done a lot of stage work, but he's also done a lot of concerts. He was Sam Smith's um, creative designer for oh, wow. a while. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he and he's like uh, in his late twenties or early thirties, I think. So wow. he's a very he was a very interesting guy. So check out that. Yeah, I'll probably and, I'm gonna publish uh, that probably by the end of of this week, so to speak. Yeah, so and, this will be up uh, soon. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, stay, uh, stay post on the website with some fun stuffs coming. There you go. Yeah, no, no, no has been doing a great job for us, uh, really holding down the fort for Connecticut theater reviews because um, there's a there's a lot of theater that happens in Connecticut. So um, if anybody's out there listening to us that wants to become a critic, not only in Connecticut but elsewhere, we of course we would welcome you to join our team, uh, and of course you get the perk of seeing free theater. So there you go. Um, yeah, and of course you can find us on Onstage Blog at onstageblog.com, uh, Onstage Blog at Onstage Blog at all of our Twitter and Instagram accounts as well. So definitely check those out because we have we do put different content on all three of our different social networks at once. So this way you can kind of get some different feeds and whatnot. And of course, um, right here on the Onstage Blog Network, we've got um, our movie musical shakedown podcast. Uh, like I said, we we just did. I just posted. South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut the other day, and now we're doing Rent, and the next one after this, I don't mind saying it, it's going to be Newsies, folks. If you love Newsies, the movie, guess what? It's the next one that we're doing. Um, and of course, we have another two other podcasts on there right now, uh, The Ripple Effect, where we talk about influential films, and Movie Court, where we bring movies that a lot of people think are terrible, but we try to defend and maybe change your mind about. So who knows? But again, we're always looking for new podcasts and podcasters, so if you want to join the Onstage Blog Network, we would love to have you as well. So that's it for me. Noah, thank you so much for joining me again, man. I love having thank you on this you for podcast. Having. Honestly. And if you haven't listened to our, um, I believe it was episode two, uh, was our breakdown, our shakedown of, of camp. Uh, it is on the site. And it, it honestly, it's just as good. I mean, Noah does a great job with these things. So we, definitely check out camp. Next time we have to do a good movie. We've had two sort of bad movies. <laughs> oh my God. So you know what? Uh, honestly, your choice next. Uh, so you pick, you pick the movie, my friend, and we will shake Sounds it down. Good. But uh, we will make sure that it's a good one as well. So, all right, folks, have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. One song to leave behind one day more. No day but today.